Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast. I am so excited to have you here today on episode 89, where I have my friend Emmy, and we are going to be talking about overeating. And this is a a topic I've really wanted to chat a lot about because especially right now when we're recording, this won't post till after the holidays, but we're recording. It's like mid-holiday season. Um, I know that I, for one, like just love all the snacks and all the foods and all the awesome like parties they get to go to. And, you know, we tend to overeat a little bit and, you know, we want to kind of dig deep into this um, difference between a problem of overeating and, you know, perhaps just being full because you're happy and love all the food. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So welcome, Emmy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Why don't you kind of tell, you know, my audience like a little bit about you um, so um, they get to know you a little better. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sophia. I'm very excited to be here. So yes, my name is Emmy. I'm a nutritionist. And specifically, I help people lose weight through a plant-based diet. Uh, But something that I talk about often in the program is that it's not just what we're eating that we have to focus on, but also what's eating us. And a lot of eating is emotional. And when we're talking about overeating, a lot of overeating is emotional as well. So I tie together not just the nutrition aspect of being healthy and losing weight, but also considering the mindset piece of it as well. Awesome. Thank you for that. And make sure that when um, you're reading the blog post, I have a link for her free one day meal plan. So make sure to grab that um, for those of you that are listening. And um, thank you for offering that. But my pleasure. Of course. um, Why don't we kind of get started and talk a little bit about what overeating is um, and what like it means, you know, there's, there's, because there's overeating, and then there's like being full and like, let's dissect that, like what the difference is between that. Sure. So the the first thing that we want to do is sort of back up and understand that we're not either hungry or full. These are not mutually exclusive. Instead, what, what I like to talk about is the hunger fullness scale and the fact that it's a spectrum. And we can think of it as a zero to 10 scale, zero being, wow, I'm so, so hungry, I'm going to faint. And then 10 being, I'm so over full, I'm going to burst at the seams. And so when we talk about, you know, what is overeating, overeating is when you're getting up there to eight, nine, 10, and you know that your body is telling you that it has had too much, but you continue to eat anyway. So it's your body sending you the signal of no, we're done here, we're done here. But for whatever reason, whether it be the food is pleasurable, or it's a rebellion against a diet, whatever it is, you deny what your body is telling you and and continue to eat despite the negative feedback that your body is giving you. Got it. And I love that idea that um, what you said about um, it being a spectrum, because I talk a lot about the wellness spectrum as well and how it is a spectrum. And I think there's so much in our diet world and everything online that, you know, things don't have to be so black and white. And, but in real life, like almost everything, like there's a few things that are, you know, black and white, but you know, a lot of the stuff is, it really is a spectrum with things. And I like that you related, you know, this as well. 
A hundred percent. And I'll have people that, that aren't even clients of mine ask, is this okay? Is this bad? Is this good? And I don't know a thing about them. So first I need to know who you are and what your goals are and what your background is. It's important to consider too, that we're all individuals and what might be overeating for one person might not be overeating for another person. It could be under eating for somebody else. So appreciating being individuals as well, and not just taking something as objective, especially in the realm of nutrition and weight and body image. Right, totally. And um, you touched a little bit about like the emotions like behind that. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Like, you know, with, with, um, with eating in general, you know, eating and food are connected to emotions. A lot of, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of connection there. Sure. So Whenever we eat something, no matter what it is, whether it's a carrot or whether it's a cookie, we release dopamine and dopamine is the motivation chemical. It feels really good when we release dopamine, the more calories a food has, the more dopamine we release. So this is why cookies taste better than carrots, because you release more dopamine when you are, when you're eating the cookies versus the carrots. So all eating is emotional. Even if you're sitting there with carrots and hummus and celery, that is emotional eating because you're releasing dopamine when you do it. Now we get into hot water when we are using food to self to self soothe and turning to very high calorie processed foods in order to get that hit of dopamine. That's when we get into trouble. And it's the same sort of behavior that people that turn to alcohol or turn to drugs, they they're doing the same thing, trying to get a feel good feeling from an external substance. I love that simplicity of it that you know, you put it there and explain for people that are listening that might not understand what does what is dopamine and what does it do? Like, why do people turn to, you know, get that hit of dopamine? That's a really good question. So dopamine is the motivation chemical and it's a survival mechanism. So whenever we do something that promotes our survival, we release dopamine. So this is why having sex is such a pleasurable experience because it's a cascade of dopamine and we have to do it in order for the species to live on. Eating food, another thing that we have to do in order to survive. So we release dopamine when we do it. Sleeping, when you get a really good sleep and you lay in your bed at the end of the day, that's a rush of dopamine as well because you know you're doing something that promotes your survival. So that's why as humans, we are so drawn to things that are very pleasurable because it's usually things that are linked to our survival. Um, I love that. And especially like, you know, I totally get the whole, you know, lying in your bed after a long day. Oh my gosh, that is the best. Um, but it's actually, it's actually interesting, this whole um, hit of dopamine, you know, you, you hit that. And I feel that it's for different people that, rush that you're trying to get different people like seek out different things to get that like for me when I need that those feel good things like if I'm stressed or anxious or upset food does not do it for me like I actually have a problem where I need to make sure I'm eating when I'm going through a tough time because I don't eat my my um hunger is like squashed like I have zero hunger but when I'm stressed, I crave movement in my body. I crave, you know, exercising. I crave yoga. I crave those things. So it's interesting how different, you know, different people seek out different ways to get that hit. 
Yeah, and I'm sure that's something, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's probably something that you've worked really hard on to have that sort of a response to stressful times, unless you grew up craving yoga when things were stressful, or was that something that you worked on? I've always been this way. I have never, I've always been this way. I have never, um, even as like a young child, like I, I just instantly lose my appetite when I'm upset. Like, I don't know. I just, that's, I've always been this way. Um, I've always been active an active individual and love the feeling of like, for me, when I've had like a good, like yoga session or a good workout session. And, and I'm not like, by no means, I'm not this like crazy. I, I don't do like an hour and a half, like boot camp class. Like I don't, I'm not crazy like that, but I'm like, I do like a 45 minute, like power yoga or like a 45 minute, you know, boot camp, like bike boot camp class or whatever, or I do orange theory sometimes. I love that feeling of like just being done and like just that feeling. I don't know. It's like that rush, like you say, comes over my body, but I just don't get that with food. I get it maybe in times of like happiness. I love going out to eat and I love spending time with friends and, and going out with my husband and like family. I love going out to eat. So it, it gives me that then, but not when I'm upset. So, Mm -hmm. and I know some people turn to food when they're upset. So it's just like, it's so funny how different everyone is. Right. And so we have to find, it sounds like yoga and movement is one of your, what we call primary foods. Primary foods are not the foods that you put in your mouth. They're the things that nourish your soul and they're methods of self-soothing and the things that fill up your life outside of what goes on your plate. And that's what I encourage the people that do turn to food to self-soothe to start to explore what other coping mechanisms can I use to make me feel good? And how else can I get a hit of dopamine outside of going to the fast food place and driving through and getting something there? Yes. And I mean, I'm sure it's connected somehow. I mean, to like, you know, your past, I mean, for me, I don't have a specific moment or anything I really grew up with to, to not drive food is something I turn to in high emotions. Um, I grew, I'm Greek by, um, my, I'm like first generation. My parents are, you know, born and raised in Greece and, and food it is a very big part of our culture. So I don't know if it, I don't know, subconsciously has to do with I, when I'm feeling down, I don't feel like I want to celebrate. And so food automatically isn't something I want to do because it, it's a cel- it, it, in our culture, it's like, it's always, it's a happy thing. Food is like happy and whatever. So I don't know, maybe there's some subconscious in there. I would love to package, uh, unpack that <laughs> like a therapist or something. Um, but like for other people, perhaps that turn to food, like I know that the stories we've created as we grow, grow up, it really um, help. They really contribute to our, you know, the way, the choices we make now. So perhaps people that turn to food, there was, you know, maybe when they had trying times at home, their mom always gave them cookies. I mean, who knows? Um, But I'm sure there's some sort of connection to that. Yeah. And I think the bottom line is that our relationship with food should be steady, no matter what our level of stress is. And so if you lose your appetite, when you get stressed, that's something we want to remediate. And if you turn to food for comfort during stress, that's something we want to remediate as well. And there are times when it's totally appropriate for food to be something emotional, like Christmas is coming up and birthdays and traveling and celebrating the culture there. Those are times where it's appropriate to have an emotional response to food. But on a day to day basis, we do want to treat food as as fuel that nourishes us and helps us live our fullest lives. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, totally agree. Um, so as far as like, you talked a little bit about overeating and how you said that like, there isn't, um, when someone says, am I overeating? You know, you have to know more about them. You have to know about what they're eating, you know, in general, like, so is there a specific calorie amount or whatever that's considered overeating? Yeah. So I, I'm not a fan of, of calorie counting. I really don't like any external cues to tell somebody when to eat or how much to eat. I even go as far as to not label foods or label meals as breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just tell my clients to call them feeds and to have as many feeds per day as they need, because what tends to happen is a scenario like this will play out, uh, whether it be calorie counting or labeling meals, somebody will have their quote unquote lunch at 12 o'clock and then they'll get hungry at two o'clock and they'll say, well, I already had my lunch and it's way too early to have dinner. So I can't eat. And then they'll, you know, ride it out, ride it out. And then when 6 PM comes and it's time for dinner, they end up overeating because they've gotten so hungry. And the same thing happens with calorie counting as well. If somebody says, oh, I can only have X amount of calories per day. And then they go over that and their body, they're genuinely hungry and their body's sending them signals. They deny their body's need for food. And then the reverse, if they have a certain calorie count and they feel satisfied, but they have a certain amount of calories left, they might end up eating more just because they have those calories left. So I, I really, really emphasize that hunger fullness scale and becoming really good at detecting what number you are from zero to 10 on the hunger fullness scale, as opposed to saying that a certain calorie count is um, considered overeating. Got it. So it's just the bottom line is it really just depends on the person and their individual, you know, and focusing less on the numbers and more about the feeling. Exactly. Yeah. How are you feeling? Is Are you in pain because you're eating so much? Or do you feel nourished and satisfied and energized? Um, yeah, that's how I go about it. And really having my clients and the people listening to this podcast become the pros of their own body and not need to rely on a calorie count because you are that good at detecting when your body has had enough and when your body needs some more nourishment. Got it. That makes perfect sense. And I really agree on the whole, I don't count calories. I don't, I've never been into like counting anything at all. It's just for me, um, it stresses me out. Like I just numbers like, and having to deal with those details stresses me out. Um, I've never been into it, but I know, you know, some people do, um, but I'm on team, forget about the numbers and more about the feeling for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look at something like, um, you know, an apple has, or a banana has a hundred calories and there are those, uh, little, hundred calorie snack packs of cookies. And those that's told two totally different scenarios. And then even the case where, you know, you have this gorgeous mango, that's 200 calories, and then you have a little hundred calorie pack of Oreos. And somebody chooses the Oreos over the mango, when we know objectively that the mango is healthier. So calories isn't necessarily equate to health, or uh, it can't tell the whole story. Well, and also like, you know, nutrient dense foods, like, you know, we have fiber that helps you feel fuller, you know, you have, you know, mm-hmm. fats and protein. So exactly. So like, in like those, if something has, you know, the same amount of calories, but one is filled with fiber, you're going to feel more full than something that is not. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Totally. Um, so what are some signs for people listening that, you know, if they're listening to this, what are some signs that you are overeating? Like, what are the things to look out for? I would look for a, a disagreement between what your mind is telling you and what your body is telling you. So if your body is telling you, we have had enough, your stomach is pushed out, it is in pain, but your mind says, keep eating, keep eating, keep eating, then you know that you're overeating. If you are in agreement, so if your mind is saying, keep eating, and your body is saying, yeah, I need more, then you're good to go. Uh, or if your body says, mm, I've had enough, and then you say, okay, I'm not going to eat anymore, then that passes the test. It's the disagreement that that means that you're not responding to your body's true needs. So after someone overeats, what are some things that, you know, clients have told you they felt, you know, other than you know, yeah. pain? Well, there's a deep remorse and a desire to undo what has just been done. And this is, you know, enter the binge restrict cycle. So there's the overeating and then there's, oh my goodness, I just overate. I need to restrict. So tomorrow I'm going to be perfect. I'm not going over my daily calorie limit and I mean it this time. And what ends up happening is people don't eat. They get so, 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 so hungry. And then they get so hungry that they're setting themselves up for another binge for another episode of overeating. So it's not just a, a physical sensation that comes after the overeating, but it's feelings of guilt and remorse that come as well. And what I find interesting about guilt is guilt is a term that we use in the legal system. And I always tell clients, I have a jail near my house. And whenever I drive by the jail, I don't think, wow, I can't believe those people ate a cupcake and that's why they're in jail. Nobody goes to jail for eating a cupcake. Nobody goes to jail because they overeat. So overeating, it's something that we can, we can look at, believe it or not, in an objective sense and dig through why is this happening? Let's figure it out and, and let's remediate it uh, as opposed to sitting in these horrible, horrible emotions. It's, it's not a life sentence if you struggle with overeating. Right. You can, I mean, really any, you can always change. Mm -hmm. Um, so what about, um, what are your tips then? I mean, to help people stop this cycle of overeating, what are some things they can do? If you're an overeater, I, I would reckon that you're also somebody who goes a long period of time between meals and the hunger builds up, builds up, builds up, and then the overeating starts. A lot of people think that they have a binge problem. Really, they have a restriction problem. And the overeating and the binge eating is a symptom of the fact that they're not eating enough. So move toward a drip feeding schedule, which means that you're eating smaller meals more often, maybe every two to three hours throughout the day, so that that big ball of hunger can't build up. And if you're hungry, eat. Don't overthink it. Don't think, oh, it's not mealtime right now. If you're hungry, your body is telling you that it needs something and you can respond to it appropriately. One of the things that I say is if you don't eat when you're hungry, then you won't stop when you're full. So if you're hungry, eat or else your body's gonna, it's gonna retaliate. Totally. Um, and what about that, you know, the whole idea, cause there's like, I know like my oldest son, like he's like me, he loves food and he's a very fast eater. Um, like my husband, um, very, very fast eater. And he will often go for seconds as soon as he's done 
with his first play and I sometimes like I'm like okay stop drink some water give your body time to catch up like you're sometimes like there's a lag between your mind telling you you're done you know and when we eat so fast all of a sudden when it catches up it's like uh, you were done a little while ago but you kept eating and now you're super full so been there Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) I have so been there uh, and then I learned the, the 20 minute rule that it takes about 20 minutes for your stomach to be able to tell your brain that there's food here. We've had enough. Uh, so I encourage people who they finish their plate of their plate of food and they go, am I hungry? Am I full? I don't know. I think I'm hungry. I don't know. I say, let's set a 20 minute timer. And if in 20 minutes, you're still hungry, go back and get more. The food's not going anywhere. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be, if you're listening to this podcast, it's, it's rare that you would be in a scenario of food scarcity. So there's always going to be food around. So let's set a 20 minute timer. And if you are still hungry, then we can have more, but let's give your body a chance to actually tell your brain if it's had enough. Totally. And that's, see, the funny thing is that, um, my husband, I, part of, I think why he is an overeater is, I mean, a, um, an overeater, a fast eater is that he's the youngest of four kids and he grew up in a, like an Italian family. And in his family, he never, unless he hurried to finish his first, he never got seconds because everybody else would get them first because he's like the youngest of four and he's younger by like many years. And so I think he learned to eat quickly because he had to. <laughs> Sure. And there's the clean plate club and there's the starving children in Africa. These are all the things that we hear about growing up. And now it's time to rewire those fundamental beliefs and to give yourself a moment of pause and say to yourself, is it true that if I don't eat now, that that food's going to be gone forever? Is it true that I have to clean my plate? I have to eat everything on my plate or I'm going to get in trouble. It may have been true years and years ago, but now we have to say, you know, things look different now and and give your brain an opportunity to sort of be in the courtroom for a minute and uh, give rebuttals and arguments and sort through that because if it was something that was a part of your childhood, oftentimes we just believe that it's true. And we believe that that's the way it is. Uh, and, and so challenging those limiting beliefs that can stem from stem from our childhood. That's totally legit. What your husband, what your husband has displayed. I've seen it many times before in my practice. And so it's a matter totally. of challenging that and saying, wait a minute, I know that I think this, but let's fact check that. Is that actually true that I have to eat everything right now or it's going to be gone? Totally. It's so funny. Um, And the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, when it comes to, you know, the whole overeating and being in the moment is like, it's so part of like this world today, especially we are so everything is fast, quick, now go. And we have moved so far away from being in the moment when we do things. And that includes eating. You know, we're scrolling on our phone as we're having our food and watching TV and doing this. And like, when you do those things, you're, you're not in the moment. And so it's very easy to ignore your body's cues because you're paying attention to something else. So mm. being in the moment and taking that time to savor your food and think about how it tastes, how it feels, you know, the flavors and the enjoyment of it will help you slow down a little and help you really truly be in the moment of what you're doing. 
In other parts of the world, mealtime lasts hours. Yeah. And the average breakfast in America is eaten in under five minutes. And if you time, you know, I challenge the people listening to this podcast to time your next meal and see how long it takes you. You might, you might be shocked at how quickly it goes down. So to take your time and make it a really intimate experience and almost like a lustful experience where you really can taste the food and appreciate it and give your mind a chance to register that you're actually eating. Totally. There's nothing I actually, I mean, I'm from Greece and in Greece, like mealtimes last for like hours for sure. Like every time when we go back, it's like mealtime is like a drawn out thing. And I love, there's nothing I love more than going out to eat and spending two to three hours. And slowly, I, I can't stand when you, when they make you order everything at once and then bring everything out at once. I'm so, oh, I I'm hate so that. Well, it's overwhelming <laughs> to me. I'm like, I don't know what to eat first. It's all there. Like I, every time I order, I either don't order things at the same time or I tell them like, I don't want it out at once. Can you put, and I'll send things back and be like, no, like I said, like, I want to enjoy my meal, you know? And like, there's nothing I, I I just can't stand it when all the stuff comes out and you're like, whoa, like relax. I totally agree because it's a special experience. You want to go, I mean, this is the case for me, at least that when I'm, when I go to a restaurant, it's not just to get food. That's the last thing really that's on our mind. It's, it's that we want to spend time with one another and it's a special yes. day to get out of the house. And I saw on a menu recently, uh, you know, it's easier for us if you order everything at once, which I can appreciate that that's their business and that's how they do what they do. But I was really bummed when I saw that <laughs> because I really like to spend time there and take it slowly and enjoy the time there. Yes. And my digestion is always better when I do. Well, exactly. And I'm like, and I, I can order everything at once. I just don't want it out at once. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. It's like, if I get, if it's easier for them, but like part of this experience is me as the customer. And like, you, I mean, the, if I wanted fast food, I'd go eat fast food. I, mm-hmm. you know, and like, it's one thing, like if you're at a restaurant, you're like, Hey, we're in a hurry. We just want, you know, whatever. But yeah, I just can't like, I, it literally drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> I'm there with you, but it's true. I mean, you know, to, to close this out, like, I think that the, the crux of the center of a lot of these food issues have to do with our movement away from this traditional idea of, of mealtime and, you know, people stopping and like, we try as often as we can to sit as a family and have dinner without distractions. There's no phones, there's no TV. And it's, of course, it's not happening every day because of schedule differences and whatever. But most of the time, I think that we actually do do this. We do a pretty good job. But so much of our country has moved away from that family unit and that traditional, like, sit down and enjoy a meal together. And I think a lot of these issues with eating are connected to that. You know, like you said, the average, you know, time for breakfast is less than five minutes, which is fine. Like I don't sit down as a family to eat breakfast because it's, you know, the kids get up and go to school and I eat after they leave, but making sure that, you know, to tell them like, you need to get up in time to have some breakfast. My, my kids probably take about 20 minutes to eat breakfast, you know, they're, and they're usually eating something very simple. Um, but it's true. Like this, you know, center issue is we've moved far away from food as both good for our body, but also good for our mind. 
I think that we can learn something from your kids that take about 20 minutes to eat their breakfast and to eat like a kid eats. They eat a little and they look around, then they walk away and then they come back. They actually are doing quite well. (laughs) I know. And I always feel so guilty when like we're in a hurry and I'm like, because my youngest son, God bless him, like he... He would eat like his one meal. It, it, it would, he would sit at the table for like over an hour. And sometimes I'm like, dude, dinner is over. It was over like 45 minutes ago. Like you, and it's more just him being kind of, you know, his, you know, crazy six-year-old self. But um, there are times where it's like, oh, you know what? Let him enjoy his food. And th- there is definitely a difference between him just lagging because he doesn't want to eat that which is fine. I don't force him to eat anything, but I also don't make anything else. So he sits there and he knows that if I don't eat this, like I'm going to be hungry. Um, and so he takes like tiny little pea sized bites. <laughs> I'm like, Oh dear Lord, come on, dude, either eat it or don't. I have no problem. Like, I don't know. Um, but it is true. I mean, kids do stop and smell the roses a lot more than we do. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a good way. That's a good way to close it out that we should, you know, look at these kids and take, take something from them and learn something from them, their relationship with food. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I so appreciate it. Um, I love, you know, the information that we gave here and just the, the idea behind looking at overeating as something other than a number and calorie amount and whatever. So thanks for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. And everyone listening, thank you guys for being here and listening to the podcast. And if you absolutely love it, I would so appreciate a rate and review on the Purple Podcast app because the more race reviews I get, the more my podcast will get out there and the more I can get awesome people on like Emmy and um, get you guys amazing information because this is what the podcast is all about, um, all of you. So thank you and we'll chat soon.